welcome to the Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jen Subchanker-Bankard, and I'm here with two Oscar prognosticators. I love that word. First, he's due. It's his time. It's Greg Cass. How's it going, Greg? Merry Christmas, movie house. Merry Christmas, Emporium. Merry Christmas, you wonderful building and loan. Hi, Jen. It's the holidays, and we're going to do movies, and so holiday movies. Good to be here. I didn't see that coming at all. That was great. Um, and he's never going to get over that snub. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? Acid rain. Drug addictions. International terrorism. Freeway killers. Now more than ever, it is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just depend on it. <laughs> oh, we're in the wrong business. We should be cutting trailers with, with your voiceover. That's amazing. <laughs> so we are here today you know, in the in the spirit of the season, apparently. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were, we were going to lean so heavily to, to the, the holiday theme. Uh, because my my brain's on the Oscar race. So we are here today with both eyes on the Oscar race. We're going to share our pre-holiday predictions in eight categories. The four acting categories, two screenplay categories, best director and best picture. So a lot could change between now and Oscar Sunday. But we thought now would be a good time uh, right before the holidays uh, to take the temperature of the race and some of its biggest categories. So if you are listening to us for the first time Usually we start with a spoiler-free section. Since we're just talking about award season, the whole thing will be spoiler-free, right? If we're, we're just going to be talking about sort of the awards prospects, we will try our best not to divulge uh, too much about the plots of these films by way of talking about their Oscar chances. PT, if people here are wild predictions, which may or may not be accurate in like a few weeks... And they want to hear more and want to keep up with kind of our reporting on the Oscar race. Where, what can they do? Well, if they don't want to miss a second of the of the presents we leave under the tree for uh, various Oscar thoughts, they can follow the podcast uh, at the Substack uh, hosted by Jen, the longtake.substack.com. People are welcome to follow us wherever they get their podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, overcast what wherever and uh, they can subscribe uh, they can also add a, a rating and a review if they if they feel so inclined and uh, they can also follow us on uh, instagram and threads at the long take review where there will be posts alerting them when there's new content thanks pt so the way we're going to approach this is sort of debate style where we've each assigned different categories to one of the three of us and that person will sort of take the lead in that category share their list of nom you know potential nominees and then there will be a rebuttal period where the other two per people in in among the three of us can can chime in and sort of object or suggest alternatives or just generally discuss sort of the validity of these predictions so we're going to start with supporting actor now i gave this category to greg because he is Kihei Kwan's number one fan uh, and so I was like oh it would be really fitting if we gave him supporting actors since um, Kihei Kwan won last year so Greg take it away who do you think gets in for supporting actor 
All right. Uh, and I also just want to note that we all signed a blood oath uh, digitally to uh, not do our personal picks or our favorites vote to try to get who we think is actually going to get into the category. So um, I tackled this first one um, really with my head more than my heart, which is my general approach. Um, but I will also say, you know, some of the major players in this uh, category, I still haven't seen. So this was probably my kind of most guessing one. So here's who I think will be in for the five. I think we will see, uh, well, and, and I will say these are going to go, I'm going to start at uh, the bottom. So the ones I'm least sure of up to the locks. So from least confident to most confident. So uh, per our last conversation, you all convinced me that Robert De Niro will still get in for Killers of the Flower Moon. Mark Ruffalo should get in for Poor Things. Then I'm almost positive we'll see these top three. Ryan Gosling uh, for Barbie. Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. And the one I am now going to go ahead and say is definite and is the front runner in the race, in my opinion, is... Charles Melton for May, December. Now I'm going to offer that with apologies to Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. has done fantastic things for Hollywood and a real likable guy and should deserve some recognition, but I'm seeing us currently sitting in a little bit of an Oppenheimer slump because it came out a long time ago and people aren't thinking as much about it. So I'm thinking unless Downey gets out there and does some real high quality schmoozing of which I'm sure he's quite capable. I think it's going to be Charles Melton as of this moment. That is hard to argue with. And actually I think I saw, I can't remember which event they were at, but they took a photograph together and it really felt like a reenactment of Oppenheimer where it was like, Oh, like you think that you're, <laughs> you think you're, you're getting this Oscar and this younger hot yeah, hotshot is just gonna like pull the rug out from under you. Um, so so uh, I yeah I can't I think yeah Charles Melton can see he's one of those contenders that's just consistently getting all of the precursors so far. Granted, we're only a little bit into the precursors season, but you know I there's no nothing nothing to indicate that that's gonna stop anytime soon. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that is the trajectory. I don't know if that's where it's going to end up. Uh, but I think that's a this is the great call for uh, for now in terms of both the uh, distribution of uh, the people in the in the list and also who what's the what's the order, um, the ranking of it. I mean, I might flip Ruffalo and Gosling, but looking at the um, the Oscar race subreddit, I don't know if either of you um waste your time on there. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend it because um, all subreddits get can be scary at any time. Um, but someone in the Oscar race subreddit, one of the pinned posts is a table that updates uh, just sort of number of nominations, number of wins across any and all precursors, critics and all that. And the most nominated person in Sporting Actor right now is Ryan Gosling. He's had the most mm. across all of them with Melton uh, in, in second, 12 versus 11, Robert Downey Jr. at nine, um, and then uh, Ruffalo at six, tied with. And so I, I guess I'll just put this name out, even though I don't think there's a lot of possibilities that he'll actually get in. Glenn Howerton for BlackBerry. Um, who also has six nominations across uh, the various critics awards. Uh, as we have said, they're not like the most uh, obvious or, or direct uh, precursor or, or um, you know, they, they don't, they don't necessarily lead to, Oh, if critics say it, it must be true uh, when it comes to the Academy Awards. But 
I, I will note that uh, the other uh, person that I will note, uh, well, two people, I guess. Um, one is still lurking, and I think still possible as the movie starts to roll out, is Willem Dafoe in Poor Things. We sort of talked about this with the Golden Globes discussion the other day. But he's long overdue, has never actually won, but gotten a lot of nominations. Could that be something if there is uh, a renewed sort of surge, or not, not renewed, but if there's a, a surge happening for Poor Things, uh, if that occurs, he might get swept up and both both actors like in the favorite uh two supporting performances get nominated from uh, a Lanthimos movie could happen uh and the other one that i had sort of lurking potentially is sterling k brown who's gotten a few critics uh nominations in in uh for critics groups and you know if again a similar if american fiction starts to people are getting into it He's an excellent actor. I haven't seen the movie, but he is an excellent actor. I, I have no doubt he does a good job in the movie and people might you know, start to gravitate towards him if De Niro perhaps being the one who might fall away. Um, those might be names that could slide in. Yeah, I'm also hearing the buzz for Sterling K. Brown. I feel like he was not in the conversation. And then the past week or two, he is now suddenly on these lists of people mm. rattling off names. I have not seen American fiction either, but I will say having read the book and thinking I know who he plays, um, it's a meaty role. Um, and again, mm. who knows how much it's been adapted yet. Um, I just want to note, since I didn't get to talk about it, I'm going to just say I did not love May, December. Um, I will say I was very impressed uh, with uh, Charles's performance. I think it's a little showier than Natalie Portman or Julianne Moore. You have to be really paying attention for those two. But any scene that he's in, he really captures. And there's a important scene on a rooftop. I'll keep it spoiler free that I think kind of showcases what's going on with him. And um, I think it's I think it's worth uh, celebrating. And it's always good to get. Um, well, uh, quite a few have been mentioned, but people of color into these races because Oscar so white is not that far in the rear view. So to make sure we have good representation across the category is important. I was going to say Charles Melton has just a vulnerability in in his scenes in May, December that a lot of these nominees, I granted that some of them we haven't seen, but you know, a lot of these nominees don't necessarily have, like they have very different types of performances. So I think that gives him a big advantage just to throw another name in the hat. This doesn't help with the Oscar. So white problem necessarily, but Holt McCanny is the dad in the iron claw, which I haven't seen yet, but that's one that like could be a sleeper kind of contender. So so I think if people really are into that movie and it gets a bunch of nominations, he might he might sneak in. But yeah, I'm trying to think this is the problem with lists like this where everyone's kind of settled on these five at this point. The question then becomes, OK, what's going to be the confusing surprise? Right. Like where we're like, wait, what? We didn't see that. Maybe it's the Glenn Howerton, but um, there's going to be I feel like there's going to be something like that. There's we're we're assuming too much. Yeah, I mean, and this is part of it's not as uh, drastically premature as the last time we talked uh, talked the categories. But there's still like, yeah, you know, most people uh, in the general public, including us, have not seen The Iron Claw, have not seen American Fiction. So there's, uh, we haven't seen The Color Purple. There's these movies that 
you know, I, 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 Greg and I were talking um, on mic, but off the record uh, before Jen came in about how is it possible? It feels like one more movie, one of those movies hasn't come out yet, might come in and make a big splash and people will be like, oh, this one. And then suddenly there'll be some percolating for uh, for folks that maybe hadn't been considered before. And uh, yeah, so that could be a surprise. It's also no guarantees that there's surprises in every category. There's usually a few that go as expected and then others that get upended somehow. I tried to that's upend fair. when it came to my turn. <laughs> so Nice. All right. So that's a good segue. PT has got supporting actress next. So who's who's on your list? Who makes it in? Uh, I do. And, and I wasn't trying, uh, like Greg, I, I was not coming with these. This is who I want to be nominated or who I want to win. But I was trying to make predictions when it came to like, I don't know, like who's going to get that last slot. I, I did sort of lean towards, well, what if there's a shakeup? What if there's something that's unexpected? Uh, so, you know, again, I, I, I lean towards the assumption there might be snubs. So uh, I'm going to go um, the opposite of Greg's order. I'm going to go from the most, uh, it seems most lock down to less lock. Uh, and uh, that most lock, and I think the front runner is Davine Joy Randolph. Uh, she's won a lot of the major precursors nominated basically everywhere um, from the holdovers. Uh, so I think she's in a really good position there. Um, I have Danielle Brooks, who seems to be the person who is emerging from the color purple uh, instead of Taraji P. Henson. Um, it seems that Danielle Brooks has been getting um, the attention and the nominations that folks might have assumed her co-star would get. Uh, then two uh, from our Netflix episode, Jodie Foster in Nyad and Julianne Moore. Uh, in May, December, who are just sort of both kind of feel like, are we sure that they're locks? And, and I'm not, uh, but they feel kind of comfortably in the race uh, that they've they've kind of got their positions as, you know, former winners who have turned in uh, notable performances. And then for the fifth, I, I'm, I'm calling a, a snub and a little bit of an upset with an Oscar favorite, Penelope Cruz from Ferrari, getting nominated, which would have course be over emily blunt in oppenheimer sort of for the reasons that greg was talking about for robert downey jr not winning which is kind of feels like not that folks have forgotten about oppenheimer but that oppenheimer's getting the attention in a few categories and maybe the sort of oh it's going to get an overwhelming number of nominations feels like that may not happen and instead it will be concentrated on the ones it has a likelihood of winning in do we know if Jodie Foster got in at the Globes? I can't remember. I think so, but I will double check. Okay. Because, so so here's my thing. One is I like the Penelope Cruz upset because that oftentimes is the surprise is an international pick. And I think Penelope Cruz is very representative of the Academy becoming more international in, in its membership. And so like, you know, that that feels right, that that would be a surprise that that would come in here. I feel like Emily Blunt still gets in here, though. That's my objection to this. I think I, unlike the two of you, maybe I'm biased, but I feel like Oppenheimer's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's still really strong. Uh, and the fact that it's still this strong and this much in the conversation, get as many, getting as many precursors and nominations as it has been, despite being coming out over the summer. The other thing is the Barbenheimer factor. I think anything Oppenheimer and Barbie are going to dominate in nominations i think that's what they've been doing so far uh and i think i so i think i think that is the thing 
if that weren't true, then I would agree that maybe Emily Blunt gets lost in the shovel. But I think because of that, she's going to get swept up in Oppenheimer's success on nomination morning. I think that's very fair. I will just note Jodie Foster did get a Golden Globe nomination. Uh, the And Emily Blunt did as well. The, the okay. sixth one is, uh, in addition to Danielle Brooks and Devine, Joy Randolph, and Julianne Moore, the sixth nominee was Rosamund Pike for Saltburn. Oh, interesting. That's a... The, like. The Golden Globes loves her. I think she won mm-hmm. for the scamming old people movie that I've mentioned before, weirdly, on this podcast. I believe it's um, I Care A Lot is the name yeah, of the movie. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Colon yeah. scamming old people, I think, is the yes. full title. Yeah. 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 So I, I'd say actually Julianne Moore is probably going to be the one that gets booted out if Emily Blunt's back in this list. I don't know. What do you think, Greg? I uh, think this list is terrible and I want to offer five other. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So, um, but I will say, I think I agree with your reasoning, um, but I'm going to zag a different way, which is to say, I think there's a chance America Ferreira sneaks into this. um, If it's a big Barbie kind of tidal wave, a big pink tidal wave, right? Or a a big plastic tidal wave. I don't know which metaphor you want to go for or which image you want to go for. And the reason I'm thinking that is because America, America Ferreira, beloved, been around Hollywood a long time, worked with a lot of people, and also has the perfect Oscar reel. Emily Blunt does too, but to to put uh, America up doing her monologue, um, I kind of like that as as kind of something to shake it up. I um, I was thinking about it was it two years ago that PT's Penelope Cruz surprise played out when she was nominated for the Almodovar movie, um, which she was very good in. But it was kind of it, it was all the things you were both just describing. And so I kind of feel like that's happened uh, before and recently enough that we maybe don't need to do that again. So uh, okay. I'd rather see America Ferreira. One that's way outside is I think um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is quietly cooking on the side and doing mm. pretty good streaming business. And every critic I listen to loves that movie. I, I have not seen that one. Um, and in particular, thinks Rachel McAdams is incredible. And I mean, I also think Rachel McAdams is incredible. But in this film, I have not seen her. So um so I I think the fact that that adaptation really enriched the role of the mother in a beloved book for particularly people who are the age of voting in the Academy, I think that's like the slimmest of slim chances. But if there's a surprise to be had, I might put my money on that. You say that it's slim, but Rachel McAdams has the only win that's not Davine Joy Randolph in the precursors oh, wow. that have been announced. Oh, before. It's it's interesting. Seven, almost fully across the board, seven wins, uh, except for one, and it was to Rachel McAdams. So that 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 was that was my seventh place. Emily Blunt in six. I like it. Rachel McAdams in seventh. My my counter argument to the America Ferrera pick, as much as I would love to see that, is and I'm borrowing this from Dan Bear. I think he was on Awards Watch, though he is often on Next Best Picture, so it could have been there too. But he was saying that the monologue is going to voters are going to associate their love of that monologue with the script more than mm. um than her because her she is sort of like a vehicle for the writing um even though her performance is great but that people are going to kind of like when they it's see that and think of that they're going to think less of her but more of and this is a good segue into my category which is next original screenplay Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach wrote that so yeah so that's that was sort of the counter argument is that like 
they, it's it's less about America Ferrera. She's just the the vessel through to deliver the original screenplay um, for Barbie. So that's actually my number one. And I think you know it's interesting because I think when we did our last the, our premature predictions, I was like, let's not overcook Barbie. Like let's 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 calm down. Like it still is like a very mainstream sort of blockbuster film it's it, you know it's it so let's let's not overestimate how well it's going to do i don't think that anymore because i think just today critics uh choice nominations came out the big headline is that barbie got 18 nominations which is a record for critics choice like it has the most nominations of any film nominated by critics choice awards and so because of that i'm now like oh let's get all in on barbie i think with the exception of what i just said about america Ferrera potentially um I'm much more likely to be like, oh, Barbie's getting in, Barbie's getting in, than maybe I would have uh, even just a few weeks ago. So I have Barbie at number one, original screenplay. I have Past Lives at number two. That has just been dominating precursors so far uh, in a way that I, again, was not, I was trying to manage my expectations and be like, people might forget about this little movie. It seems like they haven't. So I think that gets in. And I'd say, like, if you watch that movie, the biggest takeaway is, wow, the writing. So so I think that it, even if that's its only nomination, which I hope it isn't, uh, it, it's it's probably going to get in here. Um, I had I'm going to do a last minute switch because I had the holdovers here originally. But I think holders holdovers kind of struck out at Golden Globes despite them loving Alexander Payne. And so now I don't really know what to make of that. I talked myself into like, well. Maybe that's because that means that the Oscars will love it even more because it's like they're anti-Golden Globes. Not necessarily that they're consciously anti-Golden Globes, but what they would pick might be the opposite of Golden Globes. So if like Golden Globes loved Alex, all of Alexander Payne's other movies, but they don't like this one, then maybe the Oscars, therefore, is going to like this one more. That seemed convoluted. So then I was like, maybe it's just like this is the hold, holdovers is not going to actually get in in as many places as we think it is. So I'm moving that one down to the bottom. I actually say Anatomy of a Fall is going to be next because that's the one that has really been popping up in lots of places. And and despite not being Francis' choice for international feature, I think it's going to have a pretty big day, uh, not to spoil a future category that I have. But so I think it's definitely getting in there. And, you know, if you go listen to our review of that film, all we're talking about is the writing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in that episode and how like how intricate and thoughtful and sort of like juicy the the screenplay is so um so that that i think is getting it next uh and then i have as my in fourth place uh i have may december which i think i did not originally have in my list but i now am including in here because it's been doing really well in a lot of precursors generally the reception to it unless you're greg uh has been really <laughs> positive and and i th i think that movie is going to overperform um on on nominations day so uh, and, and I think if they can get the narrative out there of this is Sammy Birch was a casting director, this is her first screenplay. If that, if that gets in, in the water and people are like, wow, like really? Like that was her first screenplay. And like, it's so perfect because she, it, you know, it's about a, the movie's about an actor and she's a casting director. So of course she would have this unlock. Um, so, so I think that for that reason, I'm putting it in there, but there are vi viable alternatives I'm willing to hear out to be fair people are only just now hearing greg's uh, negative take on may december so that's going to really cool the momentum i think mm -hmm. yep <laughs> the opposite of greg yep. mentum uh yeah. 
Well, and I, my operating theory, as I have voiced not on mic to you two, is that I think critics are either uh, May-December people or Saltburn people. And it's like, what's your kind of weird flavor? I, I certainly don't want to say melodrama because the director of... Um, of May December has gotten very mad about that, or or uh, camp. Uh, well, he, I think is the other he's word. He's gotten mad about camp, not melodrama. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and so um, I will just put out there that you know, for whatever reason, the Academy loved Promising Young Woman, and I think gave Emerald Fennell best original screenplay for that. So I think yeah, there's still an outside chance that Saltburn makes it in somewhere and this would probably be where i would say a nomination not a win and my only other comment on jen's good breakdown is like let's not ever get desensitized to the fact that we say greta gerwig and noah bombach wrote the barbie movie (laughs) like there's a there's a universe where like two years ago that would have just like immediately struck us dead on the street if that sentence came out in public. So um, I don't want to lose sight of that, but I think your list is pretty good. I'm sad the holdovers is is fading a little, but I do think if it's not going to be the kind of lock on the major categories, then this is one that falls away pretty quick because the script is uh, pretty good. It isn't Alexander Payne. Remember it's, it's uh, he has a screenwriter, but so um, people know that then that, that changes the, yeah, I think. But I will say, even when I saw him in a Q&A right after, he's like, that guy deserves the credit. But this is kind of my idea because he gave him all the pieces, um, I believe, except for um, he did let the, the credited screenwriter have credit for uh, Dave Ines character that that was his addition. So people are saying that Dave, I think Dave Ine is safe. And yeah. I think that if there's holdover fade, that it's goes down to her as the low nominee. If that makes sense. Uh, and I'm going to assert that you get her in front of a crowd of people with a microphone. And from the first mm. speech she gets to give onward, I think she's just going to win more and more people over very much like Kehe Kwan did uh, last mm-hmm. year. And, um, you know, so many others have the Coda cast and so on. She she <laughs> has the best chance to go tape to tape of just no no real competition winning all of the awards but i think that we we have talked about this uh, but i'll i'll reiterate it uh we talked about it in earlier episodes you know i i think that both jen and i i can't speak for greg uh believe in the sort of spread it around that there's more people than not in the academy that think about like okay we've got all these movies right. let's try to make sure everyone might have a chance at uh, at least getting a, a little something, which doesn't always happen. Like last year really was dominated by two movies, uh, but frequently it does sort of end up where, uh, especially when there seems to be a number of quality movies, things start to sort of concentrate where there's stuff like, well, okay, we all love Davine Joy Randolph. She's the front runner. She's winning all these. She's very likely to win. Maybe we don't need to worry about the holdovers in these other categories. Um, I wouldn't say it, it's still, I don't think it's likely that would be the only one, only because I think there might be some below the line um, love for that production design and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that in these, in this top sort of above the line, top eight, uh, it is possible that it ends up with just Davine. Um, but uh, in terms of our, our, our original screenplays, um, I would like to note, it's still very strange that sequels have to be adapted because it's a sequel to something, but a movie based on a product that is like, (laughs) that has existed for so many years can be original, even though it is, you know, based on a pre pre pre-existing characters. Hey, 
whatever. Good good for them. I want them to be here. I think adapted screenplay is more of a fight. Um, I'll just note, I think the outside one, and I don't know if it would actually you know replace a movie on this list. If it does, it's probably The Holdovers, which I'm not happy about, is Maestro, which I think people are saying... Uh, you know, there, there's more positivity towards it than I think there were when it came out at festivals. Bradley Cooper also has his name on it. And people are like, let's have Bradley Cooper win an Oscar. Maybe uh, if if he doesn't end up uh, sticking as a front runner in actor, director, picture, he could get, you know, might get some love with the nomination. I don't think that means that he wins, but uh, you know, it's possible that gets him uh, into into the room, so to speak. Greg, I think, is the only one among us who's seen that movie. So Yes, and I'll stay spoiler-free. And I will, well, I will confess, uh, this is a deep tease for a later episode. He commits one crime in screenplay that I think is unforgivable. Uh, but uh, I would say, so I just today listened to uh, the DGA podcast episode of Bradley Cooper being interviewed by Todd Phillips, of all people, because uh, of The Hangover. Uh, and uh, they talked through, I would say, not that this is how it works, but if Bradley Cooper got to choose, he wants to be nominated as director, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that if I got to choose, that's the one I'd give him for over over that. But but certainly in play, um, I, I think you implied this with your May-December comments. Um, we should never underestimate the power of the movie being on Netflix and everybody yep. and their brother getting to see it very easily. And so the fact that Maestro hits just as everybody's got a week off and um, I love you killers of the flower moon. But one of the reasons I went to Maestro last night was because it was a tight two Oh five um, and not three and a half hours. So I can see a lot of families throwing this on and, and saying, well, let's check this out. We know a little bit about this uh, and so on. Um, so that's that's where I'd I'd put that. Never underestimate the power of Netflix to get a nomination or to stop it from winning, because people don't <laughs> want to vote for Netflix. Because people are like, "Oh wait, this is Netflix." Uh, never mind. Mm. Um, has the stink of streaming on it. My last comment I'll say because I don't know if I'll have a chance to say this later uh, is to to add to the the Barbie love. If you watch the actors on actors interview with Killy Murphy and margot robbie she spends so much time talking about greta and noah and how their Mm. writing process and like the whole the whole narrative of how she just let them write this the script and then when they brought it back like and i think she said that they had only sort of talked about it like she's like we had meetings to check in oh how's it going but she's like i didn't read anything until it was done and then she was like they're never gonna let us make this movie it's a brilliant and amazing but they're never gonna let us make this movie uh and then they did so so i think i think if that if more sort of behind the scenes stories get out uh about greta and noah i think i think barbie has a good good shot in this category I'm I'm gonna just add as long as the crowds remember the America Ferrera monologue and forget that Will Ferrell was in the movie because that's the thing I can't get over that whole segment that's true. like that just didn't work at all and I I have trouble personally saying that I would vote for that one for that reason but I'm gonna create the segue to my category because I will say I'm gonna talk about best adapted uh, screenplay and the to me the greatest all time snub here is the fact that Greta Gerwig didn't win for her absolutely brilliant 
adaptation of Little Women. And why that came to mind is because the adaptation did something really innovative, right? It took the two halves of Little Women and it intercut them in a way that just brought out this whole new richness to this old text. And it's really wonderful. So um, that was heavy on my mind when I was thinking about this category, um, primarily because of what I still think is the lock of all locks, which is uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which was a hugely popular book and was read by, you know, everybody and then became, um, you know, the Martin Scorsese movie. And so much of the discussion of that is how he has, quote unquote, corrected the book or, you know, made the, the Osage more central then the the narrative the the book is about the the FBI agent and and the kind of founding of the FBI I forget the exact wording but that's the subtitle of the book and so i do think he deserves a lot of credit for actually bringing out something stronger i would also say that his choices towards the end of the film make adaption a part of the film's thesis and that makes it a really interesting um kind of pick in this category. So I will say uh, I'm, I'm giving into peer pressure and going with my lock first. So that is absolutely a lock to me. I would uh, follow that up by American fiction. Uh, these would be the two books I've read uh, uh, in this category. Uh, I never got through uh, American Prometheus for Oppenheimer, which is the third pick on my list, followed by poor things and zone of interest. Um, I'm going with these five. I'm the softest on zone of interest. I think we've all noted, uh, and we noted in the Golden Globes episode, it's not dead, but it's kind of fading out of the conversation. I think, again, if it were on Netflix and everybody were watching it, that would be different, um, or at least had the option to watch it. Why I went zone of interest is because Martin Amos, who wrote the original book, did not do the uh, the the adaptation, but wrote the original book, um, is a beloved author, and he died this year. And so I think the writing is is kind of on display a little bit or being looked at a little bit more. I understand it's a loose adaptation. Um, it is not very faithful to the book. So I, I, I slotted that in for number five. For which one I think will win, I think, I, I mean, I said this a couple episodes ago, I want there to be a big rise in American fiction. It seems like it's beloved. It was the Toronto winner. It's getting lots of, of awards. And as that rises up, I would love to see that take this on. Um, I am speaking as somebody who read the novel and watched the trailer multiple times, uh, including just a couple hours ago at the movies. It looks pretty faithful. Um, I think everything in the trailer, I was like, yeah, I remember that scene um, in the book. Although I will say the the book is very much set in Washington, D.C., and this is very much set in Boston. So thank you, film tax breaks uh, that changed to that. Uh, so... Um, so I want I, I'm going to put that as as the the leader here, although you could very easily talk to me about Killers of the Flower Moon um, instead. Uh, other things that could be in the mix, a big rise out of Color Purple uh, would obviously put that in contention here. And just because I made a big deal out of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Um, a few categories ago, I think it has to be name checked here as another outside possibility. Again, a beloved book and an adaptation that, at least by what I've heard, does some, you know, again, I, I use that word very carefully, some correcting, some some updating of the story in a way that that matters. So um, I think that's the lay of the land here. 
That's the one that I was going to chime in with because typically, because not a lot, not a lot of voters read a lot of books. Um, uh, sorry, uh, that's just something I've heard from lots of critics complaining uh, that so recognizable titles like and and the more mm. literary the better chances it has in this category. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's a good argument for are are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Cause that's a book that lots of people just by the title, even if they haven't seen the movie, even if they haven't read the book since they were a kid, they could be like, Oh yeah, that one. Mm. Great. Get it in there. Yeah. So that's, but I think what's interesting is I feel like this is the most competitive this category has been in a little while because it's not just the fact that they took a, text and then adapted it it's like the adaptation itself is so interesting for a lot of mm. the films that you mentioned I agreed with uh, everything that uh both of you are saying the only other movie i wanted to throw out which i don't think cracks the five uh but you know maybe it could if the uh cards fall in the right order for it is all of us strangers mm. which uh has been getting some love from the critics in this category i don't think has won anything uh, but is, uh, yeah, this one is the, the no, no, no movie has won, uh, more than one critics award for this. It's very distributed. So there is one win for all of us strangers, one for zone of interest, poor things, American fiction, Oppenheimer, and one win for a movie called the eight mountains, which I, I don't know what that is. And I don't know who gave it to them, but, uh, but I think all of us strangers is one of those things that got a lot of hype, uh, at first and then was sort of, has sort of drifted away and has that chance to be that movie that that at the end of December comes out and suddenly everyone's like oh yeah like this movie this movie's incredible especially if it gets into a place I don't know if it necessarily has to be on streaming maybe if it's rentals for actual voters maybe it's the screeners where you know again it, it seems to be like it's very sad and and heart, pulling at your heartstrings um but not as dire uh, a uh, not necessarily in a bad way, um, but as sort of bleak an experience as the zone of interest. So uh, I actually the one thing I'll push back on what Greg said is I don't know if the zone of interest was on streaming that it would help its chances because I don't know if like we finish Christmas dinner, let's just gather around and fire up the <laughs> zone of interest yeah. uh, and see and see what it looks like. Um, though I am curious to try to speak very carefully, I guess, um, what the what current geopolitical situations uh, might do uh, to impact the, the uh, uh, support, um, just sort of uh, almost like context-free support uh, for a movie like The Zone of Interest. Um, that's interesting. Is it going to, is that going to make it more likely to get some nominations? Is it going to actually hold it back in some way? But, uh, but yeah, it's, that, it's very interesting to see what happens with that, especially when it starts to roll out, which again, it hasn't yet. It hasn't started appearing in theaters. So uh, we'll see what, how people react when it's seen by more, the more of the public. I was just going to say, I'm not somebody who does the campaigns for these major releases, but can I just say one thing? Let people see the movies. We would like to see the movies, please. Uh, and then maybe we would be behind it and talk on our podcast about it. Uh, and I want to be clear. I'm not arguing that we deserve screeners. I'm saying let the public see the movies. I, What was the lesson from Argo, right? Like put it out in October. Everybody sees it and we get there and and. There was a big Dune 2 size hole in our Octobers that nothing stepped into and somebody could be really cleaning up right now. But Jen, you were making a real point, not just having sour grapes. 
Oh, I was just going to say, in general, Zone of Interest has not been doing well at the precursors that we've seen so far. And I think it's for exactly what PT was talking about, is that that people know it's critically acclaimed and know it's a movie they should see, but they're like, it's never the right time to sit down and be like, let's let's watch a movie about a concentration camp. Um, so, but it's, and it's interesting, I think, from what I've heard in terms of reactions to that movie, it's much more complimenting the direction and not the mm. screenplay necessarily. So I feel like for that reason, if people do, if more people see it, it still might not get in. Um, the only thing kind of pulling it in the category right now is that the international factor, right? That it's, it's that zone of interest and anatomy fall are sort of the two big international films that, um, that seem to be popping up in lots of places and predictions. So yeah, I, I just want to jump into, I've, I almost saw eight mountains at Sundance. Um, so I know it, it was a movie I'd heard of and people had said it was really good. It's an Italian film uh, about two, two men. And I actually don't, I couldn't tell you the rest of the plot. So I probably shouldn't <laughs> even brought it up. But, um, two men and eight mountains. Two men That's the and full eight title. mountains. And I think it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like about their relationship potentially. All right. Let me wait. I got it here. The film depicts a friendship between two men who spend their childhood together in a remote Alpine village. So really it is about mountains and two men in mountains. Um, two men in mountains. As yeah. promised. Um, <laughs> and you're going to be counting the whole time and then get to the last five minutes. Be like, There's the eighth one. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And to respond, so sorry, to respond to Greg's let us see the movies, I totally agree with this, but just let's appreciate how much better it is than it used to be. Because it used to be so hard. I used to have to wait until the week before the Oscars, or even sometimes I'm like, oh, that movie's not even coming out until after the Oscars on, like, yeah. uh, So, so. So I think it has improved like, accessibility of the films, particularly at, like to watch at home. It, they're, they pop up a lot sooner than they used to. Ab- but absolutely that's true. true. And- <laughs> as as the completionist, I will say you are absolutely right. And I should appreciate that. It always comes down to the documentaries and the foreign language films. And we've already heard that we're not going to see the French. Is it a, a taste of things? Uh, yeah. We were, are not going to see that till mid-February. So that's going to be one what? that take till the end. Yeah, that's the general release is mid-February. It, this doesn't help Greg, but Jen, there's going to be a, there's, a, I've already seen ads for a bunch of screenings around LA for that. Because okay. it's trying to get support. So if you do oh, want to see, see it, see you it. will be able to go have- to some of the specialty theaters. Um, I will also say that part of the problem of, it feels like it takes forever for these movies to come out, is that we're maybe too plugged in, or at least that we are plugged in, to listening to critics who go to film festivals and checking the podcasts and all of that. Um, whereas, you know, most people would have just heard about American fiction when they went to the movies in the last couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. When's it coming out? Oh, like in a couple of weeks? Great. Maybe I'll go see it. Uh, whereas we've been sitting being like, where is this movie for months and months? So that's, it's partly our fault, um, but also maybe we should get screeners. Maybe maybe the studios <laughs> should be uh, sending them to us for hype, hype purposes for Greg Mentum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Greg bump. All right, PT. We're, we're getting to... All right. Um, you know, the, these next two categories, I feel like, are are rough. Uh, act, tell, tell us, tell us, tell us about actor. 
Um, okay, so I, I I might be reaching for my for my snub here, but again, I'm trying to read the tea leaves and see uh, what might happen. But uh, again, start from I think most likely down, um, and uh, Killian Murphy number one most likely. Um, I don't know if he's the front runner anymore, but I still think he's the most likely to be nominated. If that makes sense, uh, I would be the most surprised if somehow he's not um, in the in the five by by nomination day uh number two uh is jeffrey wright for american fiction uh who i think i think now is the front runner to win um but maybe that's just the hype of the movie but i feel like there's so much talk of how good he is um and maybe i'm sort of thinking that there's uh not that there's like people turning on oppenheimer but that it's a sort of like yeah yeah oppenheimer but like what about like this and and look at Jeffrey Wright and like his career uh, and not that he's some sort of avid campaigner, but I kind of feel like Killian Murphy is like, I don't care, like whatever, like I'll go out, I'll talk about this, but like, I, he's not like someone who has come across as like hungry for an award. Uh, and so I feel like there could be people that lean towards Jeffrey Wright because he's been around longer, turned in all these great performances, et cetera. Um, so those two that it, I'm already at like, I could see any of the rest of these people maybe not making it ultimately. Um, but right now I say it's Bradley Cooper uh, who, uh, you know, for, for, you know, all the reasons we've been talking about um, with Maestro and it being Netflix and he's out there very fervently campaigning uh, and by all accounts doing a good job in the movie. Uh, so uh, Bradley Cooper for Maestro and then knocked down a couple of spots, Paul Giamatti for the holdovers. I would love to have him higher and feel more confident he's getting in. You know, right now, I think he is, but I think he could, if the holdovers continues to sort of lose away from people's minds, uh, that it could be, uh, you know, we, he could lose his spot here. But I hope he gets it. It's sideways makeup time. Get him, get him nominated for best actor. And then my fifth, which again is is a reach, and I'm and I'm calling a snub. Uh, I have Andrew Scott in for uh, All of Us Strangers, uh, which is supposed to be an exceptional performance. It's a smaller movie, um, but it's possible that starts to get some, some momentum once it actually comes out and people see it and sort of consolidate around it. The snub of course is Leonardo DiCaprio for killers of the flower moon. I don't want to not see him be nominated. My, my heart has him here, like probably like second or third on, on this list. Uh, but you know, is it possible that like we've been saying with Devine joy Randolph, the holdovers support starts to consolidate in one area does Lily Gladstone take uh, a lot of the Killers of the Flower Moon, especially the acting support? Um, and you know, I I would say, looking at our collective list, I I would be happier if De Niro gets nominated and DiCaprio doesn't, than vice versa. Like I think De Niro was incredible and and was doing things that I wasn't expecting him to do. Um, not that Leo wasn't, you know, not also very great in it, but uh, but yeah, so. You know, again, I don't know if it's likely. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm overestimating the fallback on Killers of the Flower Moon, especially when, you know, I feel like that's a lot of people complaining about three plus hour movies. A lot of people sort of having a conversation about like, well, I don't know if everyone's going to connect to it. It's just churning away, racking up nominations from the Globes, from Critics' Choice, from Critics' Groups. Like it's not really stopping. Uh, so it feels like folks are kind of saying, yeah, that's old news. Um, but for, both for Oppenheimer and for Killers of Flower Moon, they haven't really left. So maybe I'm wrong, but for now, I'm saying Leo's out and Andrew Scott's in. 
Uh, I like your list. I was going to mention Leo. I do think the problem for Leo, uh, and I call him Leo when we're hanging out, so I can say Leo, uh, is that um, it's such a, I mean, when we, in the episode about Killers of the Flower Moon, which people should really listen to, I really praised him because I think it's an important role and I think he's doing something really important, but it's so subtle and just a just confusing enough that a lot of people kind of miss it right and i think i've heard more reaction asking like well why was he doing this when he loved his wife did he love his wife like confusion about that that can get read into the performance instead of kind of showing why the performance is really strong so um i would probably if i had to put money down though i think i would pull paul giamatti out and put leo in if if my money was on the on the line but um I do like your pick of Jeffrey Wright. I just want to remind people he has an incredible speech in Asteroid City, uh, and he could just get up on the microphone and say, if you wanted to live a nice, quiet, peaceful life, you picked the wrong time to get born uh, and walk off, and uh, everything would be perfect in my life. But, uh, you know, I'm a huge Jeffrey Wright fan. I actually think an early movie that had a bizarrely large impact on me was uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Shaft movie. And that was the first time I remember Jeffrey Wright. And it's like, since that movie, I've been like, this guy's awesome in whatever you ask him to do. And I think a lot of people noticed him at Westworld. And then this is the French Dispatch Hive. So we all know he carried a third of that Uh. movie and is so brilliant in it. Um, the coffee table book about it just came out and it's really good, by the way. Um, so I would like to see this nomination. I, I also think if it's the part, I think it is, he gets to show uh, a bit of comedy and a bit of, uh, pathos. And I think, I think it's, I think it's gotta be a great performance. I'm really, I really wish I could go see that movie. Uh, but I think it's gonna, that's gonna be the one that's next Friday for me. That's the one I'm stuck with waiting till the release date. <laughs> So, so I've heard this from I think more than one critic, and it it's not particularly nice comment, but that Jeffrey Wright is essentially giving a Paul Giamatti performance in American oh. fiction, um, and so by that logic, there's only room for one of them, I think. And I mean, by that, I think they mean that his character is like, like, like. Mm a curm- curmudgeonly sort of like you know what i mean like it's like that it's a paul it's a role that paul giamatti in a very different version of american fiction um probably not one that could exist but could you know could play right and so i think yeah i'm like i'm this is getting tricky this comparison um but but i actually so i actually think i'm going extreme i think this act i think this category is going to shock us a little bit i think leo and paul giamatti do not get in um Ooh. so I think it's like people are too comfortable and I, and like, what's the most tragic outcome, right? Paul Giamatti snubbed for sideways sideways once again, <laughs> once again, does not get in right. Like, or, you know what I mean? Like I think people want him to have an Oscar so badly. I think that's the reason that he's not going to get it in. Cause that would be just tragic. And uh, I think who I put in instead is actually Coleman Domingo in Rustin, a movie which I have partially seen. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking as somebody who hasn't watched Rustin, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It didn't wow me, but go ahead. Sorry. I see. Well, so, so, but he's doing an Oscar performance in it. That's the thing. Um, yeah. My short take on that movie is, or at least the first 45 minutes, which I watched and then was like, oh, I probably should finish this. And then it happened. And that was like a week ago. Um, uh, my short take is that the movie 
tricked me into thinking it was like the West Wing for the civil rights movement. And I wanted that movie. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, it's this other movie. And then I was like, what is, I don't know what's going on. Um, And it really is rushed. It's like, Bing, and it, uh, like the music is like bing bam boom we're getting things done but it's really like no i cannot keep up with what's happening <laughs> like you're zooming through lots of history <laughs> to, to 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 kind of establish this character in a way that is too is too confusing for me so um but Col- coleman domingo if you've seen him in anything else is like completely transforming himself in this movie like i think the, the other the last movie i saw him in was zola did either of you see that it's the like I heard good things, but I have the like pole dancer movie. <laughs> it is really good, uh, and he's great in it. But he plays like a like a sort of a showy pimp character. Like it's like the, it's mm. very very different vibes. And, and so so I think if people know Coleman Domingo, they see Rustin, they might be like, "Eh, Rustin." But you know, we've seen time and time again that people get in just for their performance, not for the movie that they're in. In some of these acting categories, um, so I feel like that's definitely a possibility. And Coleman Domingo. He'll also have color purple, which even if that movie doesn't do well, I think that gives him a bump in terms of visibility. Um, and then apparently he's like ridiculously charming on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like the kissing babies, glad handling everybody in the room sort of actor. So, yeah, the the, the second to last point you made is the one that I was thinking of, which is um, you know, given that this performance, it, you know. I have not seen it. My my short take on Rustin is we watched three movies for a Netflix episode and only after the third one did Netflix tell me, oh, this movie you were thinking that you were waiting to come out actually came out like three weeks ago. Uh, but we just never mentioned it to you before. So you could watch Rustin, but I have not watched it yet. That like, you know, he disappears into that role. Seeing him in a very different mode in The Color Purple might get people to sort of say, oh, yeah, like that's interesting. Not like that I'm nominating him for the color purple, but that just reiterates how good he was in Rustin. And if like you're saying, there's a little, things feel a little sedentary. It's just sort of like, I don't need to vote for Leo. I don't need to vote for Giamatti because like, they're going to get nominated, whatever. Like who do I want to look for instead on my, on my nomination list? They might go to Coleman Domingo. So yeah, I had him at seventh as well. Uh, That, you know, on the outside, but I think it's, yeah, he could, he could, easily slide in there even though again yeah the movie seems to be a little is not lighting the world on fire and andrew scott really feels like paul mescal and after sun even though that's confusing because mm. paul mescal is also in all of us strangers i think um but i feel like there's always one sort of more indie pick in this category and i can't think of who else that would be if it's not andrew scott and and i forget which critic i'm ripping off don't forget that Fleabag was huge and people loved seeing him and like that stays in people's minds when somebody from a major streaming phenomenon kind of comes across and um, I think there's a good chance of that and don't sleep on Sherlock people like a lot of people think of him still as Moriarty so like he's got He's got this and he has, I mean, we had some Felix Leiter erasure in the, in the overview of Jeffrey Wright's <laughs> career. Uh, he also had a prominent role in one of the lesser Daniel Craig Bond movies, uh, basically mm. playing Moriarty, but at MI6. But, uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, it's, he feels a little bit like, oh yeah, like that's the indie person. But unlike Paul Mescal, who kind of felt like this guy's coming out of nowhere. It's, no, this is Andrew Scott. Like people have liked him for a long time. So yeah, I, I, I could see it. It could also just as easily be Giamatti and DiCaprio are in, and it's kind of the five that are expected. Uh, but 
I also think Jen's right. There could be a shakeup. I think any of those bottom three or all of them could fall out and it could get, it could get wild. Uh, I just want to also throw out, I don't think it'll happen, but Adam driver was on SNL this week and is making so many interviews. I, I mean, I'm on the star Wars parts of the internet. It's like every day, it's like another round of this is the weird offhanded thing he said about Kylo Ren this time. And mm-hmm. here's five articles about it. So, um, I think it matters when he circulates. And then the only other thing to say is RIP, uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, Napoleon <laughs> nomination. Like there was a time where we would we would have been sure that that was in here and, and absolutely. Hey, not. Let's let's talk to uh, also R.I.P. Joaquin Phoenix nominated for Bo is Afraid. Bo is Afraid at Golden Globes. Oh, was, yeah. was the talk was the talk way way a ways ago. Um, and don't forget, there's one guy at the Golden Globes who still thinks Napoleon Ridley Scott, Joaquin Phoenix, and Vanessa Kirby are all getting nominated. Like Ugh. he's oh, right or Gold Derby. At Gold Derby, yeah. Did I say Golden Globes? I meant Gold Derby. Yeah. Uh, apologies. Uh, I, it was confusing. I screwed that up. I, I ruined my own joke. Um, oh, last thing I will say uh, in terms of long shots, but you can never count them out. Apparently, Freud's last session is still coming out in December to be eligible this year. Never count out Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I saw the my first fair. trailer for that. Anthony yep. Hopkins is always lurking, and he's stealing your Oscars, uh, especially <laughs> if you are... Uh, a, a a famous a famous black man that everybody wants to win. Uh, so mm. Jeffrey Wright, be careful. Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> oh no! Um, Wait, but they they were both in Westworld, right? So they're buddies. So yeah, mm-hmm. like that counts for anything. It, it, but, but, but Anthony <laughs> Hopkins is looking at his third Oscar, saying, "Doesn't look like anything to me." Yeah, yeah. I have not heard a single good thing about that movie, though. And I originally was very interested because I was like Freud and C.S. Lewis in a room talking together. The trailer didn't. The trailer did not look good with Matthew Good from Downton Abbey, like and other things. I think he's also in The Crown. But uh, you know, sign me up. But then every critic that mentions this movie is like, man, no, like (laughs) very disappointing. So that's yeah, I like that as an outside, huh, kind of possibility. All right, so I think next up we have our biggest slugfest, best actress. Greg, break it down for us. Oh, man, this was a hard one. Um, so I, 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 I don't know if you all were paying attention to the Google Doc. I was just shuffling around my rankings as PT started talking. So if you heard him lose his train of thought, it's because my cursor distracted him, dear audience members. So... Uh, all right, I'm gonna go. Um, well, and I also just cheated and looked at Variety, and they have a wacky list for this one, um, including Lily Gladstone is a maybe to them, uh, like might what? sneak in. I was like, this is not Insane. worth paying attention to, and that's because <laughs> Lily Gladstone is absolutely the front runner here. She's my number one. Um, I do think all signs point to her. Um, as has been said on this episode, maybe taking all the clout of um, of that movie, um, which I, you know, based on how they're out there, I would say all the creative team of Killers of the Flower Moon would be okay with. I think they've all thrown their star power onto her and talked about her story and her path to that. So I'm going to call her the the biggest lock. The change I made, and I'm going to say this is my bias based on what I've seen. I bumped Sally Sparrow. I mean. Carrie Mulligan all the way up to number two on this list um, because I was not expecting how central she is to Maestro. God, there were like three sentences I wanted to say right there, but I won't. 
Is she? She's, uh, I, I didn't she's realize billed, that. I think she's billed before Barley Cooper in promotional materials, at least. Um, and she is pretty fantastic in that. So I bumped her way up. Now, I do also think Emma Stone is a complete lock here. So I'm going to call those three like absolutely going to be in there. I have yet to see poor things. I'm going tomorrow night finally. So uh, I will uh, be able to weigh in. Uh, by all accounts, she's incredible. Um, you know, I also think some of the things we were talking about, she's so in the zeitgeist with the curse right now, too, because some people have Showtime. I don't know who these people are. Uh, who pays for Showtime in the year of our Lord 2023? Uh, is... Showtime's now in Paramount Plus. So it's the people who, uh, uh, the Star Trek fans and Mission Impossible fans who pay for Paramount Plus. Uh, and there's also sports stuff on there. So they're the ones and who And you get have to, to add an extra, though, because I pay for Paramount Plus. No, not I'm anymore. I'm paying for Showtime. No. No. Paramount Plus is in now. Showtime's in Paramount Plus Basic. That's that's the, right. new, that's the move. Because Paramount Plus now, you, you pay more than you used to. So that's the that's no. the trick, is you lost. See, this is the secret. This is my secret. I canceled Paramount Plus a year ago, and they never stopped giving me access. So maybe I'm in a free version or something, but yes. Don't cut this out, Jen. No, you don't really have to. But um, yeah, they... they... <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, I can I'm... resist. I've, um, I've been waiting for a moment to use that all episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, all right. So Lily Gladstone, Carrie Mulligan, Emma Stone, Sandra Huller uh, for I'm saying for Anatomy of a Fall. I recognize you have to specify which film, but that is her language switching her. She carries that movie. So I feel like if you love so that good. movie, you love that performance. Um I don't think Snoop the dog is female, so she's safe from Snoop taking the momentum out of Anatomy <laughs> of a Fall. Uh, and then, I don't know, by the time you get down here, I threw in Natalie Portman because there's so much positive buzz around May-December right now. And, of course, I'm a devotee of the Divine Miss Portman, but it's such a weird part, and I think it's a very actory part for obvious, obvious reasons, so that probably gets her the nomination. But that's the one I'm not sure of because I do think um, there are some people who are kind of saying like, yeah, she's kind of too weird and doesn't belong there. Um, so so because I didn't get to share May-December thoughts, I do think the very, very last scene, and I will keep it spoiler free, actually finally locked in that character. It was like, I didn't get it. I didn't get it until that last scene. I was like, oh, so this, the whole point of this is that. So <laughs> total nonsense because we're keeping it spoiler free. No one's going to understand what you're saying. Just except the people who have seen it. They're like, he's right. He's so smart. And they're crying right now. They're like, <laughs> that is this. Uh, that is this. Yeah. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to leave her at my number five, uh, more out of Queen Amidala loyalty than anything else. But, but those are my five. This is a stacked category. I will throw it over to you all to tear me apart but i do just want to say if we go four for four on our predictions we have all people of color winning the acting races uh straight across the board uh which would be an incredibly good night at the oscars and important but uh is it very likely probably not but i think worth worth noting that we at least have embraced the new hollywood if uh the academy is slow to do so I was going to just mention uh, before we leave May, December on our review with Antonio for uh, the Nef the three Netflix movies. 
I came so close because he asked me, he's like, it sounds like Natalie Portman is your favorite performance. And I almost was like, Queen Amidala, come on. But then I was like, oh, he's not like a huge Star Wars nerd. So maybe I should maybe I should keep those comments to myself. Um, but this is a safe zone for, for Star Wars comments. And, you know, we can't we can't forget. We can't forget. So, yeah, this this category is crazy. I do agree with your three locks. I think if Anatomy of Fall makes it into Best Picture, Sandra Huller is in. And I think she gets the bump, the zone of interest bump too, regardless of how well that movie does, right? Because people are like thinking of both of those performances probably as they're voting. I had Fantasia Brino in here when I thought Color Purple was going to be this thing that I was underestimating. Now I don't. After the Golden Globe snub, which just like the more I think about it, makes is so bizarre because it's like this is the one place it should be getting in because it has a musical comedy category and mm-hmm. it's not yeah. getting in it so it has it had every opportunity to make it in there why didn't it very weird what does that mean and so i think i would i i kind of took her out and i think sort of go back to what i opened with earlier when i was talking about screenplay barbie's way up for me so i think this is the first time i'm willing to entertain maybe margot robbie makes it in i would not mm. have said that until maybe this week so i cuz i think my my kind of stance on her not getting into this category was like, wouldn't it be terrible if like Barbie gets all these nominations and the person who made it all happen and is at the center of the movie does not get nominated? Wouldn't that be the most Oscars thing ever? Um, and also, I feel like her performance is so central to the movie, but is is pretty undetectable in terms of the degree of difficulty for most viewers, I think. Like, I see it as being like this this really complicated hard thing and if you just go watch the actors on actors interview she comes away with that as like the winner killing murphy is lovely but like she 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 dominated <laughs> that that interview and like she did all her homework and suddenly i'm like i want to be friends with margot robbie because she's like mm. the researcher overachiever which i did not know she's like it sounds like she just obsessively does her homework all the time and i'm like yes like i I I, under, I see you, Margaret Robbie. Um, so so for that reason, like I'm willing to kind of put her in there. Um, I think those are probably the two other ones that I would that I would well, say. Kidding. I mean, I'm just going to note this, and again, I'm I'm going back to my my, my score chart from from a subreddit, uh, a great source, uh, to say okay that looking at again, is just this is includes the Golden Globes, but a lot of its critics associations from around different countries. Um, that both Carrie Mulligan and Margot Robbie they have four and five nominations respectively out of twelve uh, total total things. Um, so they're they're outside of the top five. Um, the other four, uh, uh, you know, it's Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone, Sandra Hewler, and Natalie Portman. Um, have between six and 12. The fifth person, and I cannot believe that it's taken this long to mention her, is Greta Lee for Past Lives, uh, mm. where there is some Past Lives resurgence. Uh, mm. Again, it's critics. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows if this can actually carry forward? Um, I think there's a Globe nomination, but again, it's it's drama versus uh, musical comedy. There is, but, you know, again, there's there's what 12 nominees now um for for best actress uh, at the globes so you know it's it's i'm not saying that it's likely but you know with this tension of just like oh my god all these great performances what are we going to do and you know i i i can attest in in the way that greg can attest that uh, carrie mulligan's excellent in maestro emma stone is 
incredible. She's out of control in Poor Things. She's so good. Uh, and if it weren't for Lily Gladstone, I would just be like, yeah, lock it up. Like, this is done. Like, this is over. Mm. Um, so I, I do feel like it's still going to be the two of them. But I can see the sort of, because Emma Stone's already won, Lily Gladstone has sort of been like the assum- you know presumed winner for so long that people might start to start looking at Carrie Mulligan and be like, well, wait a minute. Like, she's central to this and actually she's kind of overdue and like that might happen. Mm. And then everyone else, it's that sort of that trio is happening up top and anything can happen in the other two in terms of nominations. So I'm not going to sleep on Greta Lee. I think she still might make it through. Mm. Um, I I think ultimately Greg's list is, is correct because uh, I think May, December has a lot more momentum. Uh, You know, is that going to carry forward for another month or so? I don't know, but right now I would say Natalie Portman is in, and I think that because she has two apparently very different amazing performances and there's always that love, like we were saying in Supporting Actress, it's true in Best Actress too for who's the international performer uh, from, uh, you know, especially from Europe. Yeah. Uh, who's that person we can bring in uh, and give a little a little bump to? I actually wouldn't be surprised if Sandra Hewler got nominated for Anatomy of a Fall and that's it for that movie. I mean, I mm-hmm. hope Anatomy of a Fall gets more. I do think... It's, it's likely in screenplay, but I don't think it would be that surprising for her to still make it through, even if all the other support fades away. I can see that. I think, I, I don't know. I think I'm protecting my heart with Greta Lee. I think that's why I'm not putting her on any of my lists. I, I don't Because I don't want to get my hopes up. And mm. I'd love to see it, though. Emma Stone is a previous winner and um, Natalie Portman is. And then Margot Robbie also is, right? So there's a lot of repeats here, uh, right? Did Margot Robbie did she win for? Did she? Wolf no. Wolf? She would have been no, supporting. She didn't. She well, was nominated. Right. She's been nominated a few times, but I don't even think she was nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. I think oh. she got nominated for Bombshell um, the year oh, of Once Upon right. a Time oh, in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that's it. Oh, she got nominated for I, Tonya as well, but oh, she's oh, not won either one. Well, and do you think um, that translates into a she's due narrative? Like, is she due because of that? I'm gonna just say I I completely agree. Especially the performance has a physicality that is really um, important and totally subtle that you would miss it. I will just say Jen's um, Margot Robbie is Lisa Simpson uh, is very compelling and should be a T-shirt we sell, but. Um, I think that actually, to me, speaks to the fact that she'll get nominated as a producer on this when Barbie gets maybe some other kind of nomination. So, um, so much of the narrative around her is like she made this happen, but I interpret that as not she's such a great actor. This happened. It's she throwing her power around, talking to the right people and and being a really good producer. So I think she deserves the nomination. for that but i i would swap out margot robbie and natalie portman pretty easily i like the idea of protecting our hearts around greta lee but we were just last episode talking about that morning show across the spider-verse synergy like four quadrant greta lee fans just all out here ready to to see it happen but um russian doll hive is ready they're ready to to get get her in there yeah that's when everybody's beleaguered and falling down uh, with fatigue over the hill comes the Russian doll <laughs> with Natasha Leone on a horse uh, as Gandalf riding down the hill. Uh, so um, I, I would like to see it. I think um, 
I will just say past lives feels like the kind of movie that um, I would never call people this, but Jen calls people normies and normies hate when movies like that get nominated because it feels like it's so such a niche product and, and everything Jen said before about like that's lessening over time. But I always think of um, my sister who I love very much. Who's always like, I read through the list of all the nominees and I only saw the animated movies uh, this year. Right. Like there's this way in which like these, these niche products are what's hurting the ratings and what's hurting enthusiasm. So I, I do think we've moved away from that a little bit. And especially this year with Barbie and Oppenheimer and things people saw a lot, then, you know, I think there's a better chance for Margot Robbie than Greta Lee, unfortunately. But does Celine song have a chance in director PT? What a what a great what a great transition. Uh, according to my list, no, uh, but she is uh, she is on. Where was she? She was my number six right now, um, which is wild because I think my real snub I mean that that uh, my real snub's at number seven. Uh, so my uh, list for best director as it stands right now, uh, Christopher Nolan, number one with a bullet. I also think still the favorite to win. Uh, there's been an interesting trend. Uh, of him winning Best Director, not at a ton, but at a few of the major critics' awards. But Oppenheimer not winning Best Picture, we can get when we talk Best Picture. We can maybe discuss who's winning over there. Uh, but I think that there's a real sort of Nolan is certainly ensconced for a nomination and is still the front runner for winning. Uh, after that in, uh, is Martin Scorsese uh, and Yorgos Lanthimos for Killers of the Flower Moon and Poor Things, respectively. Those feel, again, th that trio has been the kind of engine of the season uh, in terms of hype for a while. And I think that's still true here in director. Um, both of those both of those guys have their place locked in. Again, starts to get a little, you know, we, we could start swapping out uh, at four and five. But uh, right now, uh, for the Barbie momentum that uh, Jen has been talking about, I have Greta Gerwig uh, in there along with the the uh, on some level i'm sure the academy is like wouldn't it be great if it wasn't all dudes um and uh, let me double check um yeah all white dudes um uh getting in uh which is what it could be if uh we don't have someone else uh and if it's not greta lee maybe greta gerwig um i'm sorry celine song greta lee is the actress celine song uh potentially is the uh director i got so excited about a battle of the greta's joke that i um i, I misnamed uh, who did what in that movie um and then in last because uh, of you know some of the things we've been talking about of um the the increase of opinion and some of the momentum as we get as it's been in the theaters and we get closer to it coming out on netflix i do have bradley cooper getting in um this uh you know this this uh, group for uh for best director and uh for maestro as the last person in with the the snub being jonathan glazer who has been sort of a presumed nominee for a lot of the year for the zone of interest again maybe that will change zone of interest actually comes out as greg was saying people get to actually see it and uh even if it's not the, the super fun time for the whole family they're just like apparently just you know, it's it's an incredible experience and folks are wowed at what uh, Jonathan Glazer was able to do. But right now, there's not a lot of momentum for him. So uh, I have I have Bradley Cooper in again, Celine Song and Jonathan Glazer just on the outside at uh, at six and seven. Yeah, I had him in my list when we did our premature predictions and I've since knocked him out. But he, but he could very easily be in, I think, because for what I said earlier, where people, when they talk about zone of interest, they really talk about his directing and, and how he kind of conceived of the film 
I've heard the the word like Big Brother. Like apparently he's like sort of filmed it like a reality TV show, and people were like, "That's really inspired." So yeah, I think he definitely could be in. My the, the thing that's torturing me is that the last few years there's always been one sort of token international director, or like a director director of the front runner of the international feature kind of ends up in here, and that doesn't fit neatly into that because. Well, like Anatomy Fall, I think is going to do pretty well, but that didn't get picked by France. So that's not technically in international feature. So like, does Justin Justine Trier still get in? Um, but we also have Yorgos Lanthimos. We have we have Jonathan Glazer. Like in theory, both of those people can satisfy the the international spot. Um, and so I'm just confused about that because uh, I think last year I believe it was Josh Parham inspired me to pick Ruben Oslin. So I correctly predicted that the Ruben Oslin, the triangle of sadness thing, very few people saw coming, but I was like his logic of like, well, they really love Ruben Oslin and they, there needs to be an international director in this group. Who's it going to be? And so I'm like, that's the thing that's kind of like plaguing me is like, but who is that? There's multiple possible candidates and none of them like quite neatly fit into that category. So that, I don't know. That's just, that's, that's a very me problem. <laughs> I'm trying to get this exactly right. Um, but I think I didn't have Bradley Cooper in before. Now I have him in because Maestro seems to be really on the up upswing. And I feel like the narrative of him not getting nominated for A Star is Born. And he, I was sort of thinking of him when I made my opening joke of like, PT will never forget that snub when I intro you. I'm thinking of Bradley Cooper because I feel like to me, it seems like he didn't get nominated for directing A Star is Born, and he wants to be known as a director. And I think that has that has fueled his fire ever since. And I think that's I think that's how Maestro gets made. Yeah, a movie I have not seen, but I feel like I can still say that it feels it feels like he wants this so badly. And I think what a great redemption narrative for the Academy. You know what I mean? Um, and again, I'm not going to spoil Maestro, but I. I... We'll also not spoil his DGA, but I will say you could tell the room was really into how he was talking about his directing and the things he was doing all the right moves of praising crew members and collaborators and making sure all the spotlight got off of him. But oops, aren't, isn't it just so great that I happen to assemble all these people into my movie? Um, and um, it's really lame, but what is conducting in the cinema world except directing, right? And and getting all your production heads to work in symphony. I'm going to just beat this metaphor like a, a dead horse. Love it. Um, so, um, so I do think, I think he's in. Um, I was struggling as PT was talking because I really want to see Celine Song in that category. I really hate that it's probably like, you were saying we recognize Greta Gerwig for her writing, not her directing. We shouldn't have to choose between ladies, but this is the Academy. So they will choose between ladies. Um, and and the director's, ask... the director's branch, the director's branch in particular mm. has this problem too. Yes. I think more yes. so than others. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, I also wanted to ask, forgive my ignorance. Um, Yorgos is American. I, I am not the biggest he, Yorgos. He's, fan. He's Greek. He's from Greece, but he's, he's been making he movies very in America Greek. for a long time. Yes. <laughs> yes. But his uh, first three or four movies are Greek language movies from mm. before The Lobster. This is a this is a guy who has very specific taste. So it's interesting that Poor Things is doing so well, kind of mainstream. I think Poor Things is an American production, though, right? Yes. 
So that's why that's that was my confusion because I'm like, are people going to mm-hmm. think of Yorgos as international, even though Poor Things is not? Yeah, they might think of him as like, oh, this is our international director. This could be the Ruben Osland, but it kind of sounds like the movie could have the like a similar production story with Emma Stone as as Barbie has with Margot Robbie. Obviously, very different, but like like. Emma Stone seems to have been like, right. I want to work with this director again after the favorite. We're developing this. We're producing this together. And and I'm making this this movie happen. Uh, yeah, for and sure. Yeah. So that's... Not unlike yeah. Natalie Portman bringing the script for May-December to... Okay. Uh, oh, that's true. Um, Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes. Thank you. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, agreed. What I will, uh, what I'll say, sort of, uh, I guess, against my list, uh, and uh, but in in favor of some of the things that, that Jen was saying of this sort of weird cusping of, of Jonathan Glazer, it, you know, having Bradley Cooper in as a sort of make good for A Star Is Born, could it be like Paul Giamatti, where it's just like everyone thinks, of course, oh. well, we'll get him, and mm. then it ends up tumbling into another snub. Um, and if it were for Jonathan Glazer, I wonder if. You know, part of the Jonathan Glazer narrative is people talking about he's one of his generation's like great filmmakers, but he's only this is only his fourth movie in 23 years. And uh, his other ones were Sexy Beast, Birth and Under the Skin. And each of those kind of came and went when they came out. Mm. And people were like, wait, this movie is actually like kind of really good. And then the season's over, the year's over, a couple of years down the road, folks were like, you know what movie is actually one of the best movies of that year is the Jonathan Glazer movie. And so Mm. will there be folks in the, especially in the director's uh, branch who are like, Hmm, maybe we should get on the train now instead of like this being the snub down the road that we look back on and regret. And, you know, will, will that narrative start to creep in and take over, especially if I don't know if this is in any way relevant to the voting or anything like that, but there isn't, there has not up till, maybe very recently there hasn't been a clear quote unquote Oscar villain this season Mm -hmm. uh, in the way that say like a green book was, or um, I'm trying to remember like who, I mean, the Fablemans kind of was last year. Like a lot of people were just like, we're not, we're against the Fablemans. Um, uh, Yeah. We're very pro Fablemans here, but I think that the momentum of, you know, the Fablemans is going to win, I think turned people on that movie. Um, last year, and you know, I don't think anyone's turned as much on any. You know, Killers of the Flower Moon maybe has that position. I'm sure there's folks that are over Oppenheimer or over Barbie, but no one feels like anger towards them. I kind of feel like, at least in the online chatosphere, uh, people are starting to be like, you know, who, you know who needs to calm down is Bradley Cooper. Like he really wants an Oscar. He's begging for it. He, you know, the whole thing with the nose, the like, I spent years doing this. Like I stayed in character. Right. I did all this stuff. It's just like, his, calm down. His, like, publicists calm down. Are, his publicists are working very hard. Yes. They got that mm-hmm. story out about his him learn, spending six years to learn how to conduct or whatever. Right. The one, the one thing. So it's like, is it? Yeah. So like, it's possible that there is some blowback again. That might be fan mm. chatter uh, and, and, you know, you know whatever film Twitter is now, now that Twitter no longer exists, but like what the remnants of that, the diaspora of film Twitter um, might turn on him. But, uh, but you know, that would be a path for Jonathan Glazer to make his way back in. So I mentioned Josh Parham from next Best picture 
help me guess Ruben Oslin. So I was like, oh, I should look up what he's what his predictions are right now. And he has Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, Yorgos Lanthimos, Jonathan Glazer, Celine Song is his mm-hmm. number five. And he has Bradley Cooper in eighth. Dang. Wow. Oh, wait. But he also has Celine Song listed twice. So now I'm confused. <laughs> so that might be... It's Uh-oh. so good. It's so good. Give her two chances at a nomination. I'm feeling one of those is supposed to be Justine Trier because she's not on here that, at all. So I bet maybe no, maybe he thinks Celine Song number five because I think people were shocked by the Golden Globe nomination. So I think yes. that, yeah. that made her bump up a lot of people's lists. And then maybe his number seven might be Justine Trier. But he basically has all the female directors like just outside the category. I mean, <laughs> in terms of predicting, it's unfortunately not a bad path to take. Yeah. Which uh, I don't like, but to throw just a couple extra names, just to have it in the, in the mix, and you can pull the sound clip if it ends up uh, either of these end up happening. Alexander Payne, the holdovers is kind of fading away, but who knows? Like the Academy does like him; he's been nominated multiple times before. And then for uh, a newcomer, uh, and it's like, well, if you if you don't want to nominate a a woman, what if you nominated a a, a man of color? Uh, Cord Jefferson for American Fiction could. Uh, could could you know if that movie really takes off um he might be yeah. able to get in here and both he and Celine song have the first timer narrative right core jefferson mostly directed like i think only directed tv before mm. american fiction and then Celine song was a playwright before past lives so that could right. be a narrative that gets out there well and, and i just want to joke when i pulled up variety before and was cheating all the ads that filled the screen were for your consideration for Saltburn for Best Picture and Emerald Fennell. So clearly in her oh. contract, she had that they had to really push her, which I do not think is happening. I do not think should happen, but it right. makes me laugh when you see those kind of, oh, there's no momentum behind this film, but clearly they had to buy a lot of ad space for, you know, <laughs> contractual reasons. And Greg, that's a cheating. You would, you would love driving love around LA. LA. Because yeah. the billboards and the bus ads, it's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's incredible. It's like, don't forget Ridley Scott for Napoleon. It's like, we already have. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was going to say, Greg, that's not cheating. That's research. True. At least True. on this show. That's that's all I do well, is look up other people's Oscar prediction lists. Our listeners are clearly worried that we have snubbed our one woman on this podcast by taking extra categories. What they haven't yet figured out is that Jen took the only 10 nominee category, which is why she sat out that round because she has to do double duty this round. So Jen, I think it's time you nail down your best picture nominees. All right, let's do this. So typically this is feels good to me until I get to number eight uh, every year. Uh, and then the last two or three, I'm just like, uh, is it this or is it this? And then inevitably those are the ones that I'm most likely to get wrong. Um, so, so I think as the, unlike some of the other categories, this gets more interesting, I think, as the list goes down. So I have Oppenheimer, Barbie, can't count out, Barbenheimer's got to be in there, right? Like, I think there's no way those two don't get picked best picture. Killers of Flower Moon. We love a good Scorsese epic. Poor Things. People, some people think it's, it's too weird and are uncomfortable with these sex scenes, but I think that the critical acclaim is still strong enough that it gets a spot in here. Maestro, we see all of our comments about Maestro Bradley Cooper from this entire episode. I think it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things I can't wait to see because I want to be so wrong. Because I think when I saw that trailer originally, I was like, oh, this is such typical Oscar bait. 
roll my eyes. Oh, Bradley Cooper, like, I'm so sad for you. I'm sorry you didn't get nominated for Best Director. Um, right. And, and that was kind of what I was coming into it. But, but you know, the critical reception of it and Greg's now uh, endorsement of it, I think I'm like, oh, I'm ready to see this movie and be really excited by it. Uh, past Lives. This would have been at the bottom of my list, not even like a week or two ago, but it's gotten such a good precursor love and it's so strong right now that I'm like, it's got to be in here. Um, it, it it easily takes the like small movie spot that is often ha- often has one or two small movie spots in here. Uh, American Fiction, similar. That one's really, I think, just starting to be on the upswing. And I, I've only heard good things about it from critics. And I think it's one of those things because it's so funny and it's all it's it checks so many boxes for the Academy. I think it's funny. It's entertaining. My understanding is that it's like it's a, like a heartwarming family story somehow as well. Um, it's it's kind of about the craft. It's about writing and about storytelling. And it has a social issue dimension to it. Right. Of like, um, how do we represent race and 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 and, and culture in America? So. I don't know. That seems like it has a really good shot right now of getting in. Um, okay, this is where it gets really rockety. So I have the holdovers, but per our previous discussions, I feel like I would now probably put that in my 10th spot. The other mm-hmm. two I have in here are Anatomy of a Fall and May-December. Now, typically, there always has to be an international feature in here. That's been a track record, I think, since Roma, I want to say. Was that the first one? There might have been one before that, but there, you know, it's consistently there's something from international feature carries over. And again, as I said with director, the thing that makes that complicated this year is that Anatomy of Fall, which I think is the most popular anime, uh, sorry, most popular international feature this year, did not get chosen by France to be submitted in the international feature category. And so it's like, what does that mean for this? I think there's actually going to be backlash voting where people are going to be like, what? France, you're crazy. Like this movie was amazing. Um, and, and then there, it's more likely because of that. I'm the, I think I'm on an island with that because I've asked around or listened around and stuff like that. And people are just like, no, that makes it actually less likely. But also it's precursor performance so far, I think, has been very strong. Um, May, December, I think, per all the things we've said before, has a strong s- spot. It feels like the sort of smaller movie. And then also like what else? I guess Maestro is Netflix. So they could be competing against each other. That would be the reason I wouldn't put it on here. But I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. I think it's a, a good list. I think all of your your reasoning makes a lot of sense. I agree with you uh, that the the top seven feel pretty locked in. Uh, and, but I'm partially saying that because I want past lives to be locked in. I'm still worried that there's going to be another round of momentum shakeup and and past lives suddenly gets forgotten again i will say it might be a benefit to past lives that the weird reconstructed golden globes category uh for what we think of as either international or foreign language movie is non-english language Mm. so past lives even though it's a u.s movie is in that category and you know i don't know the degree to which the voters are locked in on that but i feel like does that gonna maybe trigger in their brains of like yeah we've got a little international movie it's past lives it's uh, Mm a south korea like in toronto like it's a international movie 
And so, uh, so you know, is that maybe going to help that? But then maybe hurt anatomy of a fall if that box seems checked uh, for for a lot of people. I, I don't know. Um, there's also some degree of like, well, what's you know, what's outside? I mean, there's the zone of interest, uh, which I think you know, in terms of the uh, you know what we the, the precursors, my my little precursor list over here. That's the only one that's gotten five or more. Uh, you know, best picture, you know, listings, nominations uh, across the Critics' Choice uh, that isn't on your 10 because there's 11. There's 11 movies that have gotten five or more. Uh, and so Zone of Interest is the one on the outside that could maybe be jockeying for mm. a position. The only other movie I'll mention, which again, I'm, I guess I'm soft pushing as potentially getting momentum down the road is All of Us Strangers, uh, which, you know, could that be... If they were just, we want another small movie. We have a couple big blockbusters. We have some big sprawling epics, you know, instead of the again major bummer movie of Zone of Interest, or uh, or you know, if if people are sort of over uh, the holdovers, is it going to be instead a a sad movie, uh, but you know, a, a sad uh, uh, in, intimate story um, like like All of Us Strangers? So All of Us Strangers, my counter point to that is that earlier i said it feels like an after sun that did not that got paul mescal in nomination but did not get into best picture it feels like that kind of movie to me where it would get a nomination in a category but not make it into best picture so because i because unless it has okay here's my here's my you have to do oscars math because it's like to get into best picture what are like the two or three other categories that it gets into? You know what I mean? So I think all of us strangers, I'm just not confident enough that it gets in enough places to get it into best picture. Cause right now I think Andrew Scott is his best shot. Maybe screenplay. If it gets into screenplay, then we're talking, but like, yeah, that's the only one. And then the color purple, I feel like, I don't know if you, I don't remember if you mentioned this, but that's the big question mark. Cause like I, I had, I've been on a roller coaster with this movie that I haven't even seen. And it's like, at first I was like, nah, people are out on musicals. Remember, see West Side Story. Like, let's, mm. we don't have to worry about Color Purple. And then people started seeing it at screenings. And then the buzz was good. And I was like, oh, maybe Color Purple. And then it misses at a bunch of key things like Golden Globes. And then I'm like, are we out on Color Purple again? What is happening? So I guess I just have to see this movie to really decide for myself. I will just say, and I don't want to cut Greg off, but I am, that my my only advocate, uh, reason for advocating for all of us strangers is not because I think it has a strong path, but because of the weakness of the, what's sort of jostling at the bottom. Like no oh. one has a firm grip there. Yeah. So something could just easily slide away and a movie you don't expect. Cause now that it's locked in at 10 now, right? Like it, it can't be like separated by votes of only eight or nine. I think that there has to be 10. Yeah, I think so. so the, the 10th movie might get way less support than the top nine. And it could end up like some movie sprouting up unexpectedly. Right. No, I hear you. Uh, so I was thinking a lot about last year and I was thinking there's always something really kind of weirdly conservative that makes it in and we don't get. And so last year I was thinking it's a little unfair to call it weirdly conservative, but all quiet on the Western front, which is really well made and really, you know, a, a good movie and deserving of its nomination. But it was like that came out at the last second. And it's like 1917 kind of played that role before where it's like this is old fashioned Oscar bait. Um, and so I think in some ways, PT already mentioned zone of interest could sneak in in that kind of lane. Not that I think that's exactly the right kind of thing, but something kind of tried and true, you know, a, 
a Holocaust movie. I'm thinking there's an old joke on extras. That's right. Like just do the Holocaust movie and you'll get nominated. Um, and I think there's something like that. A really like out long shot could be Napoleon. Cause it's like, well, we don't like it anywhere else. I mean, I, it might get like some sound nominations, but like it's good old fashioned spectacle. I see the faces you're making. It's terrible. I'm on record as not liking it, but like, I guess there's a w- weird <laughs> contingent of voters who like like a good old fashioned war movie. And that's, yeah. that's the lane. Um, I, you know, you're describing, you can... you're describing Elvis from last year, I think. Yeah. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to happen. I'm just trying to think there. And I, I, I was going to mention color purple, but Jen beat me to that one. So I think we should just also recognize nobody's giving any thought to air, which would be the last of the Golden Globe nominees. If you smash together the 12, that's the one we're not mentioning and uh, doesn't need to be mentioned. It's not going to make it in, but it it is just kind of crazy that it's like somehow a Golden Globe nominee and not at all part of this conversation. So shout out to air. <laughs> To to support Greg, because we I was making a face when he, he said Napoleon, like, what if, to go back to my dream, at least from the Napoleon review episode, that the director's cut, the four-hour director's <laughs> cut is good. What if that is, what if they're just sort of like, okay, people don't like Napoleon, but they're just like, New Year's Day, we're dropping Napoleon and the director's cut on Apple TV Plus, and people are like, wait, the director's cut's wonderful, like, Suddenly, in and addition, surges? Like, sound, mm. costume design. I feel like there's technical things that, like, you know, oh, it true. could it easily get. Yeah. Like, could that then suddenly, right. you know, be that in 10th movie where it's like, I don't know. I liked eight of these and, and uh, I don't know, I'll just throw some votes for some other ones. It's possible. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's particularly likely. I think it's more likely that Zone of Interest is trying to chip away at the the bottom three here. Um I would also just like to note, and I know I'm I'm not alone in this, like the holdovers is great. Like the holdovers should be kind of locked in. Uh, it's a bummer mm. that it's, that one's fading away. And I know we don't agree on this, but I'm glad May, December is sort of on the rise. I hope that sort of gets a place. This is a, such a good year that like, I don't really want any of our list to fall off, but also that there's these other movies, some of which, you know, we haven't seen that, uh, that, you know, I, I'm hoping are, are so good that I, I, w- I want them to crash in. So good problems. Also, I guess. in defense of my Napoleon move to our listeners, please note that Jen listed the 10 best movies of the year. PT stole the next three or four. What was I left to talk about? What was it? What you leave me scraps. I'm going to talk about scraps. So. Greg, I left you the iron claw. I, I, it was right there for you. Right. Yeah. That's true. Uh, no, I, I look, um, I think that's not going to happen, but I wanted something to talk I about. Mean, Zac, I mean, thinking... that's making me think Zach Efron could get in for best, I guess. Oh, would it be best actor? It would him? be best actor. Probably. Yeah. No, okay, never mind. It, it could be the bear. I, I don't forget his name. The bear. Oh, for, he can uh, make it in supporting? supporting? Yeah. yeah. I can see that getting a lone acting nomination 
potentially that's like the the fleabag actor right like everybody's Mm. been watching the bear so we're and he's gonna win an emmy and maybe a golden globe right then so we forget the emmys are are this month too um so uh i will just say um i was joking with pt about how everybody is regretting their december 22nd if we were not recording tonight uh mystery date whenever we were recording uh i would be at iron claw because iron claw they're sneaking out a little early they they decided like let's do a round of preview screenings to get it out there so i i don't think it's chances are dead uh, but i think it's uh, my read on it is it's too weird i think i don't think wrestling has reached the mainstream i think it is more accepted than it once was as an art form uh but i do not think your average moviegoer is like i can't wait to see the wrestling movie i i will know craig the accepted term is sports entertainment uh, not our form, uh, but uh, but I, I will say the people that I know or or you know have seen comments um, who are like folks that are into wrestling, like apparently in that like if you're a fan of wrestling, this is a very like well known story, and their comment is like the people going to see this movie are not prepared for uh, mm. how crazy the story gets and That's how what bad I heard too. everyone involved. So it also might be very depressing in a way that the trailer with it's like, you know, early late seventies, early eighties rock anthems and folks slamming on the, on the ring and just, you know, some crying, I guess, but you know, mostly dudes being dudes um, and with an abusive dad, like all of that, like, you know, looks like it's going to go one way, but I guess it might really spiral out of control in a way that isn't going to get people, you know, hooting and hollering when they leave the theater. All right. Any closing thoughts? I think we're, or do we, BT, did you actually want to, I feel like we're good to end here. Or yeah. Do that's to, okay. okay. We don't have to Because I'm, I'm just seeing the thing about the draft. <laughs> I just put it in. We don't have to talk Just about in case. It. Okay. Uh, I feel like, like maybe we can do that. On, we can talk about that on the next one or like when we get closer to the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I, or I have do a it closing like thought. <laughs> okay. Closing <laughs> thought. Thanks, Greg. Go for it. I mean, you could keep fighting about that for another 10 minutes and then we could end. But uh, so my closing thought is it's been a freaking good year in movies. And I'm so scared for next year because of the aftermath of the strike. But I think if you add it up all across these categories, there is easily 20 or 30 movies here that are really excellent and worth your time. And I, you know, as critics have started to put together their top 10 or top five of the year it's like oh it's actually competitive this year for the first time in a long time and it's not the you know when i'm putting together my list for the end of the year i'm not gonna have a lot of marvel or a lot of franchise stuff i I will have one notable franchise film but uh you know uh i just don't think it's it's unusual in the last 20 years at least the last decade to get such a rich year of movies that aren't all kind of expected. Um, So I just don't want to lose sight of that. It's been a really great year of movies. So sorry next year when Dune just has to win all the awards because there's nothing else. And in case listeners, you were wondering what movie Greg was franchise movie Greg was referring to. (laughs) He just fist pumped. Um, The Spider-Verse disrespect from Greg. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Well, so I, to, to kind of pick up on what you're saying, Greg, what's so interesting to me when I look at our predictions is I'm, at first I was like, wait, where are our blockbusters? But it's 
Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah. Right. That those are yeah. both Oscar friendly films or especially Oppenheimer. Right. It's typical Oscar fair, but then also really popular with the mainstream box office success, but then also has kind of critical backing. It's crazy. It's just crazy that we have the, the selection that we have working to work with this year. Good year. Yeah. Good year. And this has been a good episode. I'm really, I, I really love nothing more than like hashing out predictions. <laughs> it's I'm a maniac when it comes to this sort of stuff. And so I, this has been so fun. Um, So thank you to you both. PT, if people want to follow the show or tell yell at us about how wrong some of our predictions are, where, what can they do? A, a great thing to do would be to follow us on Instagram uh, and or threads at the long take review. Uh, leave some comments uh, there. Uh, if you'd like to speak to us directly in a non-public way, uh, you could send us an email, uh, the long take review at gmail.com. And Greg, you are the busiest man in podcasting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're working on and where we can find you? Ah, uh, yeah, it was a really good episode and um, fun to to have some fights and to, uh, you know, debate. Uh, I was going to challenge PT to make a ballot people could print out and, with our predictions on it, but that's going to wait till the final, final round when everything's there. So uh, we will help people cheat on their Oscar pools when the time comes. This is just preliminary. So uh, I continue to be the co-host of Through the Glass Columns, a Wheel of Time uh, podcast. If you love Celine Song, listen to our episodes about the show where she frequently gets mentioned and Past Lives gets more than one reference uh, because she was a key part of the first season of the Wheel of Time uh, television show. Uh, and then um, I'm on Substack at Ion Cannon. Uh, you can find all my writing at IonCannon.com. And I am now Ion Cannon on Letterboxd because PT pointed out how dorky Jen and I were for having Star Wars names on Letterboxd. So I switched mine. It's E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N on Letterboxd. So thank you to PT for making me grow up. That was pure jealousy. That was not meant to bully you into changing it for the record. I, I just wish I had done been that creative. I'm not changing mine. So you can find me on Letterboxd at Qui-Gon Jen forever and ever. Um, and you can also find me on threads and Instagram at Subchokchai, S-O-P-C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I. Um, and, you know, PT told us where you, how you can get in touch with the show. Let us know what your Oscar predictions are. Who do you think we snubbed? And let us know. And everyone have a happy holidays. Stay warm. And we'll see you in the new year, probably. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. Thank you for listening. You can follow the long take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel. They can also... Uh, there's some, some strong cat, cat agitation. Cat cameo. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Don, Don. Tauntaun is freaked out at the idea of not getting the latest episodes of the Long Take Review as soon as they drop. Sorry, that is my cat. Um, they're not usually 
in here when we're recording, but they were both sleeping so nicely uh, when when I walked in that I didn't have the heart to kick them out. And now now this is what happens when now I do that. So that's okay. 